Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend this hour with us. So I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and empower people, especially adults, to own their voice that come in so many different forms. So this space was created to talk with people with all different jobs, hobbies, and interests, and have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. One, how do you define creativity? Two, how do you incorporate it into your life? And three, why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to talk to musicians, Reiki masters, mediums, doctor, lawyer, real estate agents, and so many more. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as their soul's essence, courage, imagination, basically all that we are and wanna be. So sharing these stories expands one's thinking and opens up self-expression to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest today, over the last 20 years, TJ has worked at the colorful intersection of creativity, art, therapy, and education. He is innovative, he's an out-of-the-box artist, creative clinician and coach, parentheses, clinic coach, and licensed professional counselor who helps others nurture their creative self so that they can be the powerhouses of an artist and human they are created to be. Timothy Walsh, welcome to the space. Hey, Hollis, how are you? Hey, good, how are you? Oh, I'm great. It's so good to be here with you. Oh, thank you. I am so happy to have you here. And I don't think I said your name after after I said my inspiring guest for today. So <laughs> I think I heard you say you said TJ Walsh, I think. Did I? Okay, I think good. So. so I wasn't even thinking and it just came out. <laughs> so I am so, so, so happy to have you here and have more people hear your story. Uh, can you please tell people a little bit more about yourself before we dive in? Sure thing. Yeah. So uh, my name is TJ, everybody, and I am uh, a few things. I'm an artist, first and foremost, a creative person, um, but I'm also a licensed professional counselor in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and I'm also an artist coach. So um, I work with artists uh, on clinical issues, so depression, anxiety, uh, different things that we all struggle with um, as human beings. Um, and I also help artists uh, find their creativity and grow in their creative life uh, a little bit more um, and help them get to where they want to be either in their studio practices or in their business ventures. So um, I do I do a number of things, but those are those are the three big things that I do. You do. And I just can't wait to dive in and learn more about you. And because your journey has been, um, I don't know, it's just been a really interesting one. We all have our stories sure. and hearing behind, uh, you know, getting more to why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really looking forward to diving into it. So, but first we're going to do a would you rather question. So are you ready? <laughs> Let's see what I can do. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so here we go. Drum roll. Okay, so TJ, would you rather go back in time one year 
to talk to your past self okay. or go into the future one year to talk to your future self? Oh my goodness. Wow. I would say so many different, I would say different things entirely, obviously. Oh man, what would I rather do? This is. And you can have fun and play with it too. <laughs> it's it's not great. This is a, this is, we're know. talking creativity. So you can I know, create I know. your I own answer. My analysis, my analysis paralysis on this simple <laughs> question. I would go back in time, I think, and talk to my, and talk to my previous self a year ago. Mm-hmm. I think that's not what I would, I would do that because, um, because I think a year ago I was really scared. I was, uh, I was about to do a bunch of different things and learn a bunch of new stuff. Um, and I hemmed and hauled about whether or not I was going to uh, follow through with it. Um, and then I finally pulled the trigger and I wish I did it sooner. So I would encourage myself to uh, do it quick, more quickly. Mm. Yeah. It is. It's interesting, right? Because things kind of happen. It's that it's been coming up so much lately in conversation for me uh, that, you know, things happen the way they happen and you don't get to necessarily, you know, it's, it unveils, unravels as it unravels. Um, So, and things need to happen as they need to happen, which can sound really annoying. It's like, but I didn't want to go through that or I didn't want to do that, which actually did really lead you to this point. So, when I read the question, there was part of me that was like, okay, let me accept that things happen the way they happen. So yeah. let me go to the future and let's see what's going on there and, and talk to her and like, wow, give me yeah. some advice for now. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think if I could prepare my future self a little bit for, uh, for things you know, that, that are going to be coming down the, the pike for him. I think I would like, I would definitely do that too. Um, because, because of the thing that, that stops me from being, you know, creative or pushing into my, into my passions and into all of the different things that, um, I really do find life giving and enjoyable is, is fear. So I want to encourage that past person that I was to be like, see, you didn't have to be so scared, right? You didn't have to be so scared to do, to do these things, to take this course or to build this business or to do these projects. And I would love to encourage the future me to say, see, you've done these things before. And even though you can't predict what's coming at you, you're going to be okay. Um, and that would allow me to, I think, uh, just really focus on my creative expression and uh, follow my path um, more um, more freely. Okay. Well, this is a great, a warm up to where we're going to go with this conversation. So thank you. Thank you. I want to welcome those that are here with us live. Thank you so much for being here. You can put in any questions or comments in the chat box below to be part of the conversation and we appreciate it. So let's start with the first official question, which is how do you define creativity? How do I define creativity? So a lot of people kind of assume that I define creativity as art, as people who are artists, people who paint or draw or sculpt or whatever, um, because that's what my background is. I am an artist and I talk to artists all the time. And so I think a lot of people, when they hear me talking about creativity, assume I'm talking about those people who only, um, who, who make pictures and things. 
uh, with their time and their and for their living. But the way I actually talk about creativity and define creativity is is that human beings are creative. So you are creative. Uh, just by the virtue that you are alive and breathing and human. Um, and so creativity is any of those things that you do to make it through the world, right? You're solving problems, you're um, inventing different things, you're making, you're answering questions that previously you didn't have the answer to. Um, you're coming up with all of these different solutions. So that's creativity, right? It's thinking outside of the box, it is, um, it is uh, moving in directions that don't feel completely safe to you, um, that feel a little risky, that's creativity. So creativity is really um, our acts as human beings. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. Yes, it does. It. Acts of human beings. And yes, thank you for validating my company. Um, <laughs> I am creative, which is why I was on a mission to create this space and have these conversations. Because being an art teacher for 30 years and like you yeah. going to art school and like doing that kind of thing. And, you know, it's the societal. I've said this in, in like all of my podcasts, but it's like it's the societal definition to believe that creativity yeah. is drawing and painting. Right. So, cause that's always what has happened to me where it's like, right. you know, you say your niceties of what you do and people, the, their body language changes. Like they immediately kind of like almost put their hands up and they're like, I can't draw or paint. Like, oh, <laughs> right. Oh, oh. So I can't connect with you anymore. I don't have anything <laughs> in common with you because you said that you can draw things. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't draw things. Like just because I went to art school doesn't mean that that's what I do. That's not my right. expression. That's right. not, I, I actually studied ceramics and, right. but that's not how I express. So I created this space to talk to people asking these questions and not one person has ever, like I said this in my opening, nobody has ever defined creativity as drawing or painting. They've yeah. said it's courage. Like you said, yeah. it's active hum being human. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 how, it's how we show up in the world. A hundred percent. And I think if we think, if we get attached to that other view or perspective of creativity or like the presumed definition of it, right, that can be really damaging to us uh, living a full life, right? Because all of a sudden we hold ourselves back from so many different things. And I know, you know, I'm so, I'm, I'm guilty of that myself, not being, not taking, not making moves or taking action in different things um, that maybe I would be good at or that I would benefit from because I just don't believe that I that I should do that or could or can do it. Um, so I think we're, we all fall victim to that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, can you imagine if, you know, creativity was limited to just drawing and painting or even ceramics? Like, I don't think we would really have, we wouldn't be talking on this device, right? That we have right now in front of us. Oh my gosh, exactly. I would have, I remember one of my students, I mean, I was challenged with this question many times, but one of my high school uh, students said, he's like, oh God, Ms. Citron, I don't want to be here. I'm like, okay, look, <laughs> like, we're here together, yeah. so let's put it within these terms. Let's meet in the middle. Those shoes that you're wearing on your feet, 
Somebody created them. Somebody designed them. They were made in a facility. Somebody created those machines in order to make them. This building that we're sitting in, an architect created that. Then people built it. And like the clothes that you're wearing on your body, somebody designed it. It's it's kind of breaking it down to all of these components yeah. that make it concrete yeah. for people to understand. And it's like, oh, I never thought of it that I way. I never thought of it, yeah. Yeah, and we're almost shamed as, as kids, right? We're almost shamed if we hold on to that creative energy or if we continue to align ourselves with the arts in some way um, and it doesn't seem to be moving in the direction of something that is maybe like more – uh, more uh, logical or left brain, right? Um, you know, we we kind of get shamed for it. So I think that that is also, you know, some of the assumption. Like scientists, if I'm a science scientist, if I'm a chemist or a biologist or whatever other kind of scientist there are out there, um, you know, I'm not creative. But in fact, you're experimenting and like kind of trying to figure stuff out that requires creative thinking and creative ingenuity. Just because you're using math uh, doesn't mean that you're not creative, right? Thank you so much for saying that. And exactly. It's, I mean, to me, numbers, numbers are an art form. There's like, you see them in the way that you organize them and the way that you solve the problems and the problem solving. And to me, actually, when you see them, I, I'm not particular, it's not my strength, but when you see like an algebraic equation on yeah. a piece of paper, there actually is like this composition to it that looks really yeah. cool. Yeah. I don't know how to solve it personally, and I don't care to solve it, but um, in that brain, like it's, you know, or if I did try and solve it, I think that there's, it, it's, what you said is very true in that, mm-hmm that we do get shamed, not everybody, because not everybody does, but there is often a bigger thing of being shamed because it's more logical. But then you're exactly right, because when people do go into these other areas, it's like there's they they're taught to think there's no imagination in it. Yeah, right. Right. There's no imagination in it. It's like there it's 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 prescribed. You follow formulas, you do you do things in certain order. Um, you know, there's a theory behind it. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's proof. Yeah, there's proof. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, there's proof. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Interrupt me all the time, please. I talk a lot. So if you let me go, I will be, I will be someplace else. <laughs> I just wanted to say while I was thinking of it, but yeah. Yeah. So this is actually a perfect way to lead in because we could even go farther back, but I really appreciate your story about let's go to art school and you starting in painting and yeah. then tell us a little bit about that journey. Sure. So yeah, let's see what version of the story comes out. It's all the same, but I always tell it different ways. I'll just start by saying that when I um, was, well, I'll start back in high school really because I was this, I was this kid who really didn't have a lot of confidence and, um, in his abilities, uh, he was always, you know, kind of, uh, I told you another story, Hollis, um, that I'll probably be writing about, but, um, about how I was always second, kind of in second fiddle or second place, um, behind somebody else. Right. So kind of the similar thing, like I never really felt quite good enough. 
um, to like make it with the kids who are in advanced placement, right? Um, or like that college prep level course. Um, but I always kind of like stayed a- around there and I made friends with, um, I got, can you say friends? I made, I, I, I was close with the art teacher at my school and my high school. And he allowed me to um, kind of, I guess, audit the AP course. So I did all of the things the AP kids did, um, but I always felt not good enough. And um, I wanted to go into painting and I worked really hard and I got um, accepted to the school that I went to um, like right away when I actually finally got the courage to apply and do a portfolio review. And I matriculated into the university for painting and that's what I was going to do. And I was really excited about it. Um, but then, you know, I was like, oh gosh, I'm not good enough. How am I ever going to make a living off of this anyway? Um, what, what is this really about? So hold on, let me just like correct course here. And I wound up going into graphic design. So I was really good, I guess, at graphic, at the graphic design curriculum and, um, and, you know, I did that outside of school after I graduated for a long time. Um, but I was never really fitting the mold of that graphic design program. In fact, all of the professors, there were like, you're a painter. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you know, funny, you funny, you would say that. Um, and I was always pushing, pushing the, pushing the limits of what they wanted me to do in terms of sticking to this pretty like European, uh, Swiss, very clean line design look. And here I come with my like, I guess maybe like postmodern, like all over the place, abstract, like forget the grid, um, kind of, kind of design. Um, and so that's what I came out of school with. And there was always this part of me that was really disappointed in myself for not following through with my initial plan. Um, but I eventually found my way back to painting and I've had a painting studio, um, either outside of my home or in my home right now. Um, ever since that that point, and um, you know, design and fine art painting has informed um, my thinking not only as an artist but also as a business person um, and a therapist and a coach, um, which is a really important point. I think when we were going when we were talking about you know creativity not just being drawing and painting, but creativity being um, a way of thinking, creative thinking. So, you know, if anything, being a de- going to design school or going to art school, um, you know, more than just the the art and craft skills I gained, um, I gained a way of thinking that is different than people, uh, other people in my arena, um, and that sets me apart. So, I'm really thankful for that. Gosh, I love that. There's so much richness into everything that you said. And there's so many things that I want to touch on, but I really love how you pointed out the, um, between design and fine art painting, that you are grateful to have the balance of both. Yeah. Yeah. I think balance is, is, is really important. 
Um, especially, and the balance of those two things in particular for me um, was important. I think the design, the particular kind of graphic design program that I went through um, was very, very structured um, and very like taught me how to think in systems and it taught me how to do a whole bunch of different things that are, do not come naturally to me. I'm kind of like a, like a impulsive kind of all over the place, like shiny object chasing person. Um, and this design program that I went through really taught me how to slow down first um, and kind of consider things before making, before making moves. Um, and then the painting side of me, uh, the way I paint, which is much more in that shiny object, impulsive uh, nature part of me, allows me to take in perfect action, which is something that I really talk about a lot with my coaching clients and even my clinical clients um, as not being afraid to put something out there and, and seeing how people react to it or how the world interacts with it and then making moves further on, on the painting. Um, so those two things are really important to me. And I think it helps me be more flexible when I'm working with people um, to have those two sides of me really having been uh, ironed out. Wow. Gosh, I've respected you, but I like, I'm respecting you even more for, I think those are such key points to highlight. And there could be like the whole talk could be just on this is sure. consider before it's that first of all, going back to the systems, like this whole thing of being uncomfortable with something. So when you went into the graphic design space, which you ended up staying in, even though there was a lot of resistance, you didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. You didn't necessarily have the instructors on your side, but yeah, not right there away. was, there I'm, was I'm, respect. I'm cute, I'm cute and like, uh, you know, and uh, pretty charming I can be. So I've won, I won them over and I bought, and, and I brought them over to my dark side of like breaking the grid sometimes. But yeah, at the beginning, definitely resistance. And they were a little skeptical. Mm -hmm. But that was because I remember you saying, if I'm correct on this, that they, especially with one instructor, they really appreciated your style. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think they saw, they saw me being willing to um, work through the resistances that I was coming up against or that I had. Um, and by doing that, by pushing into the resistance that I was grappling with, I was able to learn how to adapt my more fluid kind of organic style to something structured and more, um, more, more rigid. Right. And so they were able to see, and I, I highly doubt because these people, you know, were around forever by the time I had them. I highly doubt I was the first kid that gave them this challenge. Right. Um, but they were able to see that, Hey, like, you know, there are people who can, um, who can bridge both sides of things. Right. And when they saw me being willing to kind of entertain their stuff, they entertained my stuff and we were able to have a conversation, right. A conversation about, um, about how things can be different and we can break molds on things and we can bend rules when we know the rules. Um, 
and uh, things can be better <laughs> than just the way they always are. Yeah. Well, so everybody, so TJ and I went to the same college. I was before him, uh, but I, one of my roommates, she started in graphic design and went to painting. She so, went the other way. <laughs> she went the other way. She was, I think she lasted about a week and she wasn't willing to go. She wasn't willing to go through the restrictions and the resistance yeah. um, in order to adapt right away. She's just like, I'm not adapting to this. Um, right. So this I think that it, it's not me. I, I, but even that's, I just think it's an important point to hone in on is just this, this concept of bridging the gaps that when something is uncomfortable, that doesn't mean that's the end per se. Yeah. At times it's, it's pushing through the resistance and kind of sitting in it and for a little bit and being like, okay, why am I pushing against this? Is it yeah. because I really am not good at this? Like I really don't want this or is it because it's just totally different and I'm not used to it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. Discomfort isn't a bad thing. I think discomfort is a really important thing. If we're not uncomfortable, sometimes we're not going to grow. Right. And so I think if I stayed in painting, I might not have grown as much as I did over those over those several years, right? Because I would be in my happy place. I would be in the place where I feel comfortable or maybe more content or competent. When I go into this, when I went into this other space, it forced me to learn stuff that I never really like thought of learning or, you know, like thought that I would enjoy. And I actually learned to enjoy some of it, but it also made me face my insecurities and made me face my fears in terms of like, you know, pushing the limits on my creativity or my artistic creativity. Yeah. And I think discomfort, I always say, right. Um, that if you are feeling uncomfortable or scared or like this is a risk, our normal kind of bent as a human being is to run away from it, to move away from it. But that's not going to actually solve your problem, right? That, 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 that resistance is still going to be there. That fear is still going to be there. That risk is never going to be kind of um, assumed and worked through and taken. <clears throat> so you have to move into the direction of that, of that fear and push through it. It's, you know, I talk about um, when I work with people in therapy and they are, um, they are really like not growing in one way or another. Um, usually it's because they aren't leaning into the pain. They're pulling away from the pain. And until you lean into the pain um, and handle it, you're not going to grow and, and become a different or a, uh, a changed person. Right. And it's the same thing with our creativity and our ambition. If we stay comfortable and don't push into it, um, we're not going to grow and we're not going to develop new skills. Yeah. 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 Power, 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 power. And yeah. like you, like you said, you, once you graduated, you had a little bit of, of maybe sadness that you didn't necessarily do the painting, but you found a balance so you were like, okay, I'm doing the graphic design. And here you created this studio for yourself so you can, you can be 
this way in both spaces um, and express yeah. yourself in both spaces. Um, so let's kind of move in a little bit too. So how did you fall into the therapeutic end? How did that come about? Sure. Yeah. So that's also uh, connected to my experience in art school, actually. When I was um, in my late teens, so early on in college, um, I was diagnosed with um, a mood disorder and an eating disorder. Um, and I was pretty sick and pretty depressed and, and really anxious. And it was around that time that I, you know, was introduced to my first therapist, um, who was really helpful to me, um, and probably saved my life in many ways, but also, um, two professors who were kind of my primary professors. They were in charge of my, uh, educational development, um, in the program. Uh, it was right before we were going to go on winter break. So it was the end of the semester. We had to kind of, um, put all of our work up on the wall and get it critiqued and kind of graded and get feedback on it. It was a pretty big deal, um, especially as an early on art student, not really having gone through that process very, very much yeah. before, right? It's always a nervous time. But anyway, these two women, highly respected designers, have done massive things. If you look around our world, you would see their work everywhere. Um, and so you think that they're not really in tune with like the person of the student. They're only really in tune with the work. Um, but these two people stopped um, my crit and said, hey, you know, TJ, you are totally not the same person as you were when you came into our classroom six months ago or three months ago, whatever it was. Um, you are not well. Like I had lost, you know, a ton of weight. I was just, uh, I was just a different person altogether. And they were the first people that said like, you need help. You're not going to make it. And, um, I was like, you know what? Like this is the care that I want to provide for people. Right. And people noticing me and, um, calling me out, calling me in kind of pointing things out. And I, and I kind of took that to heart, my therapist, um, really getting me back on track and from that point on, I kind of kept that in my back pocket as, you know, as I get better, I can also, I also have something to share and uh, give to other people to help them. Um, and then I went along my way. So I, I graduated with my degree. I got a job in, in marketing and um, land development stuff. And I always found that I was much more comfortable or interested at the end of the day in learning about the story behind the thing that we were trying to sell, right? Or learning about the impact that this item or this program was going to have on the people who interacted with it. Um, and so that was when I was starting to think about, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to stay in this field or do I want to do something different? Um, and the options for me were to go back and get my master's degree in painting. I would have followed through with it that time, um, or go in and do clinical psychology because I like working with people and I like helping people, um, grow. And with my history of depression and, um, self-destructive kind of behavior, 
um, I knew that going and focusing on myself and my MFA kind of pathway would probably not be the best for me, but what would actually help me grow and be more creative um, and more alive would be going and learning about psychology and personality and how to help people navigate their life. And so that's what I ended up doing. Um, and yeah, my practice is all about creativity and all about the arts and artists now. So it's not that much different, but it's using my skill sets in, in different ways than I thought I was going to. Mm. Whew. I'm just keep going back to your quote. I pick a quote um, from each conversation that I have and your quote that's really standing out to me is until you lean into the pain, you will not grow and become a changed yeah. person. Yeah. Um, and I just, going back to what you said about a crit, um, a critique. So to give people who are not familiar with art school, a vision of what this is, is that you um, put all of your work into a space on the wall, on a table and the professors give feedback and then people in your class give feedback. And there's many ways that crits can be run. You might have to kind of like, um, like you're getting a PhD, almost like talk about your work and say why yeah. you did what you did. Yeah. And then people will give you feedback. Um, sometimes depending on the teacher, the professor and how they set the tone is kind of like how it runs. If people are giving constructive criticism or if they're tearing you down. Yeah. So it can go in lots of different ways, but especially from my perspective, I've seen, you know, when gratefully I was in nurturing spaces, yeah. uh, generally in the ceramics department I was, um, but this can be, especially when you're 18 years old, 19 years old, going into a space and this is your first time being completely vulnerable right. as you're expressing yourself. Um, and you've, been given a you know an objective you've done it and now you're standing up for it and representing it and words are yeah it, it's a very vulnerable space it's super vulnerable it's super vulnerable and it can either be it's kind of a make or break space right in terms of in terms of one's like self-development how they view themselves how they view others and how they view the world it's a it's kind of like a excuse me, baptism by fire, right? All of a sudden, all of yourself is out there, right? Because your artwork or your creation is a direct um, outpouring or growth, uh, growth from you. And so it really is, it can feel like a uh, critique on, on who you are and not just your work. Um, and it can be a really painful place or it can be a really life-giving place, life-affirming place. Um, I do think about, you know, some people that I know and that I've worked with have had, uh, one person in particular had a professor. <clears throat> this isn't a professor um, that, I, that I know. This is just somebody that I've worked with who has had the experience of art school. Um, had a professor take a razor blade to their, oh, uh, to their canvas and then throw the canvas out the window. Oh, so, my God. Uh -huh. <laughs> so that is a way not to do it, that you're not going to really affect positive <laughs> growth and change in a person's life. That's a really quick way of deflating them. Um, oh, my God. But, yeah, if it's done well, it can be such, it can be such a life-giving uh, experience and also uh, build grit and, deter and resiliency uh, while you're at it. 
Exactly. I love those words, grit, resiliency, and then like expansion is coming into my head. It's yeah. And you, you can kind of anybody listening, you can take this into your own space of whatever you do. Um, and thinking about whether you're in business and as you're around the table, you know, um, if you're in sales and you are making phone calls or you're meeting people face to face, if you have a supervisor that's tearing you down for not using your communication skills well, and why didn't you do this? And why didn't you do that? And you aren't good at that. Or um, any of these words that we use or actions that we take affect how we feel and whether we push back, it's, it, there's just so many factors and things like everybody, you get the idea on that, but it, it's just, I think it's such an important point of what you just said. I, I had an experience where, um, you know, a short story in my drawing class, which in foundation year, everybody had to take yep. and, uh, not the best drawer, but anyway, she would always go around and she would draw on your paper, uh, to show where you needed to fix things. Um, uh-huh. I knew that neat things needed to be fixed, but I didn't want it done on my paper. I wanted her to do it next to the paper so then I could recreate it and learn yeah. how to do it on my own. So here I was like 18, 19 years old. And for the million times she did that. And I, in a shaking voice, stood up to her and said, could you please not do it on my paper, fix uh, it on my paper? And she looked at me and said, well, I don't think you're good enough to do it on your own. Oh my God. And, wow. And I said, and I said, in a shaking voice while purple, I said, I didn't ask you if I was good enough. I just asked you not to do it on my paper. Right. And I went wow. out of the classroom and I was shaking and I was just like, and people came out and they're like, good job. I'm like, the hell with you. You know, she does this. Nobody backed me up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you guys, right. They just sent you, they just sent you into the firing squad. Right. And, and <laughs> take care of their own, their problems for them as well. I mean, it was my choice, but nobody was like, yeah, me too. Me too. Everybody was like mouth shut zipper. Um, yeah. So that was just an example of, you know, and I just never felt great about my drawing, but anyway. Well, especially, I mean, that foundation year, um, so I guess for everybody listening, foundation year is, is freshman year. Uh, everyone takes the same, everyone on the visual arts side of the house took the same curriculum, drawing being one of them. And that drawing class um, was really hard for me to, um, even as somebody, yeah, I mean, because I had just, I had been taught to draw a particular way in in high school, right, by a person who was a really great drafts person. Um, And then you come into freshman year at, at the school we went to, and it's like they break it down again and basically tell you from the start, you don't know what you're doing and you have to do it in this very particular way. And I understand, right, looking back, the methodology and why they were doing what they were doing, but also looking back and understanding how human beings grow now and how human beings learn, um, their method was okay or their I, the reason was okay, but their method of doing it um, was so unhelpful um, and I saw so many people really kind of lose their passion for um, making marks on paper <laughs> um, after taking that course. Mm. So That's... there could be reasons for doing something and trying to get someone to grow, but how you approach them and how you nurture them or not um, is really going to be what, what helps shape them and helps them to move forward. 
which again can be applied in any part of life. It can yeah. be applied in parenting. It can be applied in the workplace. It yep. can be applied in connections with other humans. Um, mm -hmm. What's helpful and what's not helpful. Um, yeah. That what really stood out to me there was when you said you were taught to draw, we're often taught to do things in a particular way in the stages that we go through and whatever we're doing. So right. then when we enter this new space, if you're telling me that everything I did before is shit and yeah. <laughs> like that I have to completely restart yeah. from, from scratch, like yeah. that's not the case all the time. There's different ways of doing things. Yeah. You can take skills and you can blend them or in some cases it might be like, yeah, we have to start over again. But right. to get to give what happened prior, it's kind of like the question I asked you in the beginning of what happened in the past, like yep. to give it absolutely no acknowledgement. I, I just don't think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Just like this is not good. Do it my way without really any kind of reason right or background as to why we're going to be doing it your way all of a sudden um so yeah and then by the way at the time the graphic design program um that i ended up finding myself in taught you how to draw again <laughs> in an even different way than um how i how i learned or relearned to draw uh freshman year so I know three different ways of drawing and I don't follow any of them now. So <laughs> you're like, screw it to hell with it. It comes out as it comes out when it needs to come out. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to move on to the second question, but I want to kind of address and just kind of mention like what I titled this exploring innovative pathways to make dreams a reality. Yep. So I, I feel like for a I feel like for what you've done, you've incorporated so many aspects of of you and your own healing and your own journey to really help others. Yeah, I mean, you figured out ways to really take the painting, the love for painting, and then it's changed. There's been different, you know, iterations, and it, it's it's real. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, well, I mean, that feels like I should say thank you. It felt like a little bit of an encouragement there um, and, uh, and validation for what I've been, what I've been doing with my life so far. So thank you for saying that. But yeah, like it is everything I do. And I don't know if this, if this makes sense to say in response to what you just said or not, but everything that I do is really um, in like, service to some other person. Um, and so, you know, or people. And so I always want my work to speak to people and to help them to give them something to think about or to um, somehow help heal something that is hurting inside of them. So whether they're looking at a painting of mine and um, take considering that or working with me in uh, therapy or in coaching, Right. My my purpose is to help them grow um, because so many people uh, have helped me grow in uh, the time I've had on this earth so far. Mm -hmm. And and also all the people that I work with that I that I'm trying to help grow themselves are also helping me grow and helping me become a better person. So I really see everything that uh, I do uh, as a conversation and as a relationship. 
Yes. But the relationships are everything. I'm especially realizing that as I get older and yeah, it's, it's everything. People want to be able to uh, feel nurtured, to feel safe, to trust and um, both with others and with themselves. So in these ways, in addressing the title of what I call this exploring innovative ways to make dreams a reality, whatever that means to you, so many people put their dreams on hold in thinking that it can't be something that's worthy of something that it yeah. doesn't have the logic behind it. But I just want to reinforce within this space why we're having these conversations is that it's important, whether it's just for you or whether it's to help the greater good or it needs to be expressed. It needs to come to fruition in whatever yeah. that looks like in order yeah. to feel more joy and happiness. For sure. It needs to come out somehow. Right, whatever it is, whatever your idea is, whatever your feeling is, whatever your thought is, um, needs to be ex- like you just said, Hollis. Be expressed. If it stays inside, it's just going to like die in there, right? And and go and go south, <laughs> right? And 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 go rancid. It needs to go out, come out, and and give and have the opportunity to be planted and then grow, right? It, maybe it can come out and it doesn't go anywhere. But you wouldn't have known that if you didn't experiment with putting your idea out there or by taking that uh, that risk to try something new. Um, there, it, it nothing happens if you don't take a chance. It all goes back to what we were saying in the beginning about fear. I mean, it's yeah. just a, it's. You don't want to live, we hear this all the time, or maybe you don't, but you don't want to live a life of regret. <laughs> like you just, you don't. And if you constantly are repressing your expression, yeah. you can't express, you can't repress, you need to express. Yes. Um, otherwise it just makes you feel really icky. So, okay. I want to hear, I want everybody to hear just a little bit more about you. We know that um, in how you incorporate more creativity into your own life. We know that, you know, you have your creative expressions in the way that you do. What other ways would you like to share with us on how you incorporate more creativity into your life? Sure. So obviously, like you were just saying, I, I paint regularly. Um, not as much as I probably should or want to. I shouldn't should. I, I want to paint. <laughs> right. <more. laughs> Take <laughs> Why the shit out. Yeah. Stop shitting all over yourself. <laughs> exactly. um, yeah. So I, I do want to paint more. That's probably a really primary uh, way of my creative expression and the way that uh, feels right to me. But um, I have two little kids. I have a three-year-old son and a five-month-old son um, and kind of really spending time with them whenever I can. And uh, when he's not driving me absolutely insane, I'm trying to see the world through my three-year-old's eyes um, and actually like, you know, enter into conversation with him, like, and actually take his questions of why and why and why and why seriously. Um, it's a really fun way of experiencing new things. And when I'm in a good frame of mind, um, that can be really fun when I'm not in such a good frame of mind, that can be the most obnoxious thing ever. So (laughs) I, I venture to be on the, on the good frame of mind side because that helps me be creative with 
my adult clients. Um, it helps me be creative in my studio. Um, it helps me be creative in um, my business stuff that I that I do. That's a creative outlet for me too. So spending time with my kids is really important. And then um, I've gotten back into um, running recently. So um, probably, oh God, 2022, probably like 10 years ago, I was an avid runner. Um, and then the past 10 years, I've been a avid not runner. And I've yeah. recently gotten back into running and that has really opened up my creative flow um, again in a really, really uh, big way for me actually. Um, and so when I feel like I'm getting clogged up or I'm like having trouble accessing um, my thoughts because everything is all over the place. Um, I go for a run or what I call a run right now. It's like a mm -hmm. hobble, but you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it works. <laughs> <laughs> the fact so, that you're even doing it, I'm like, I'm inspired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I have, I have my off, I'm sitting in my office right now and I have my offices at home and I built this office with a, a waiting room next to it for patients because I was supposed to see patients here and then COVID happened. Um, and so now my waiting room right off of my office is the treadmill room. And when I can't get outside for a run uh, because I'm busy, I can just like walk from my desk to my treadmill room and, and do a quick run. So the, that's, it's not as hard to get a run in as, as, it, might, as it might appear. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it's, and you're making it easy and you're giving yourself forgiveness for being like, okay, if I can't do this and it's something that I really want to do, I totally understand the movement aspect of things. I personally am not a runner, but it's that whole, like I put on music and I yep. just dance around dance. the space and, yep. and just that whole, it's, it's important, especially what you said, where it just unblocks you. It's where- yep so many downloads and um, ease just comes through in that space, right? Yeah. Well, I think that's an important point. The, phys the physical movement, dancing, running, even just walking, moving your body, yoga, right? We need to get into our bodies more as westernized people um, because we walk around the planet like disembodied heads, like heads without any body. So we just like live in our brain all of the time. But yeah. so much of our person and so much of our creativity and so much of our um, expression is through our body. And if we're not in touch with our body, if we're not connected to it, um, we're just like not able to really move stuff through us. Right. Does that make any sense? I don't know if that makes oh sense. Oh my gosh. It makes so much sense. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. It's that, it's that kinesthetic understanding. It's, yeah. it's, we have this disassociation of, you know, our, our, our heads to our hearts and to the rest of our body and not until it starts hurting. Yeah. Are we kind of like, Oh, or you bend down and you're like, Oh, I just like tweak something in my back. Um, right. Or, right. oh, my knee hurts. So then it's not respecting the body. It's kind of like being angry at the body when yeah. at the same time we haven't honored the body. Yeah, exactly. And so much, I mean, any kind of like why our mental health and our physical health stuff is so separate in this in, in our particular way of life in this world um, is beyond me because any kind of 
change that needs to take place um, mentally, emotionally, relationally has to be felt through the body. So if you're trying to repair a relationship um, and have sustained change, you have to feel it somatically. Like you have to be able to get in touch with that feeling and that emotion um, somatically uh, and not just think about it and be able to say, yeah, I think I feel sad. You actually have to feel sad and be able to be vulnerable and express that to your partner. It's the same way when you are creating art, right? You can think about art and you can draw a picture, but if you look at a picture drawn by somebody who is just like analytically thinking about it versus somebody who's actually feeling it through their soul and through their body and through their experience, um, you can tell the difference so much better. And there's so much more information and richness in that felt experienced version versus just the one that has been like drawn from an analytical point of view. God, there's like a bunch of hours that can be spent on that topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. To actually be in touch and to actually feel. Mm -hmm. I would find it so much with my students and, you know, I would work in, you know, title one schools. So there was a lot of, there was just a lot going on and sure. the kids at a young age would be very on edge um, and yeah. very shut down. There would be, there'd be there tons of trust issues. Um, you just really have to create a safe space and have a lot of trust but they just, a lot of people would feel disconnected from their emotion in the sense because they didn't, they didn't feel safe to express because they didn't know how much they could express without judgment right, um, right, or anything like that. Or sometimes the expression was like, so like they were so reactive, they were ready to burst at any moment because yep. the emotion was so much there, but it had nothing to do with what we were doing in the classroom. It had sure. to do with the way somebody looked at them or, um, and that just triggered and well, set there's so off. so much pain and said, fear, right? Yeah. So yeah. much pain and fear that's blocking them from being able to connect and interact with, with other people and the world in a, in a way that is safe. And, um, in order to express ourselves and in order to, um, be able to, uh, connect and engage, we have to feel safe. And if we're in environments for one reason or another where we're just fearful or we're in a lot of pain, um, that safety is not an op. That safety is not there for us, right? So no matter what you did as a teacher, until you built a relationship with that kid, yeah. um, that can kind of say to them, "I'm a safe person. I'm not going to judge you. I'm here to be with you and hold you." Um, you know, until you did that. They weren't. There was no way in hell that they were going to be able to be um, safe to express. Right, right, and I think that can translate um, so much into adults. Also, maybe not to the same extreme, but taking those parts of what you just said into consideration that there's pain, there's fear, there's these different things, and how people choose to interact. It's there can be a lot of hoops that you have to jump through or a yeah. big wall that needs to be knocked down before you actually get at the reason as to why they're not doing this in a certain way or yeah. um, why yeah. the communication isn't happening, which is you just needed an answer of yes or no to this, but they're not responding because of whatever reason. Yep. You know? 
Yeah. And I mean, a little tip or trick, you know, as you're working with human beings, adults or any of us, right? If you see, if you see reactivity and anger, there's pain there. That's pain. So try and find out what that pain is. If you see quiet, withdrawn, disconnection, that's fear. So let's try and find the fear there. And if we can connect with that person's pain or we can connect with that person's fear, they're going to be able to let that defense down a little bit by little bit so that you can actually then connect with them. So if you're, if you're coming up against someone who's really mean and angry and aggressive and violent, um, chances are that person is in a lot of pain somehow. Right. And if we can become empathetic and try and locate that pain, then we'll be able to connect with that person. But if we meet their aggression or their reactivity with our own reactivity and aggression, um, we're never going to be able to get anywhere with that person. Thank you for that. That is beautiful, beautiful advice. Um, and I want to thank those that are again here with us live. We really appreciate you being here. Um, and this is a perfect segue into the last question, which is, Putting a nice little bow on it, why do you think creativity is important? Sure. Creativity is really, really important because it is our means to um, it is our means to connecting um, with ourselves, with other people, and with our world. Um, and without our ability to be open-minded, without our ability to be uh, explorative. Uh, innovative, we can't be truly connected to our environment and in our relationships. And so cultivating creative problem solving, creative thinking, uh, creative expression uh, is, is super important. And to take that away from uh, our kids uh, at such integral ages of in development uh, in education is really stunting our adults um, from being able to be productive, uh, engaged members of society. So that's why I would say, I think your question was, why is creativity important? Um, <laughs> it was. And somehow I ended up there, but that's what I think. Which is, yep, yep. And it is a beautiful answer. So on that note, can you please tell people how they can find you and all that you do? Definitely. So um, you can find me at um, tjwalshcoaching.com. Um, and that is where you will find uh, information and offerings that uh, are pertaining to my artist and creative coaching practice. Um, and you can find more about my clinical practice at tjwalshtherapy.com, uh, where you'll learn about all of the things uh my team and me uh, do with people who uh, are looking for therapy and counseling. So those are the two URLs. And then of course you can get directly in touch with me through those portals. Is there anything else before we do our closeout? Is there anything that's on your brain or on your heart that you feel like you want to share out or feel like you said it all? Oh man, I don't know. Um, I just think that if we are feeling fearful of taking uh, a step or making a leap or doing something that um, really causes a little bit of a uh, rumbly in our tumbly, um, then we should, we should actually push into it and do it. Um, I am somebody who has been uh, in that position where I have not taken that step and I've regretted it. And I've really made it my mission to, for myself to like, 
just take action when I feel those things. And I haven't regretted it since I've been doing that. So um, I would say if you feel like you need to do something, then you should do it. Mm. Within reason, nothing like dangerous, <laughs> illegal. That's a little asterisk. But yes, you, know, yes. you know what I'm saying. Within the context of our conversation, that's what I would recommend. Yes, yes. And I, I can speak directly to that on many things. And there's something that is coming up, which I'm going to be speaking about soon, which, yeah, I can directly respond to that. Um, the person asked me this thing and said, if we could offer you this, would you do it? I'm like, scares the hell out of me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, yeah. TJ, thanks for spending the hour and chatting with us. We really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Hollis, thank you so much. This was so much fun. And I hope that whoever uh, has heard this or comes in contact with it will really get something from it. Yeah, yeah. You need to reach out to TJ. And um, there's just so much knowledge and so much true caring. Uh, so please reach out to him. And the space is all about inspiring each other, connecting and sharing stories so please like, follow, share, all of that, uh, because I believe we've always needed this, but we need it now more than ever, this yeah. connection um, to lift each other up. And that's why this podcast is here. So, and to give a little asterisk, um, I have a publishing house as well, Express Yourself Publishing, with a new multi-author book that will be launching April 8th called Invisible No More, Stepping Into the Spotlight. And TJ is going to be one of the incredible contributors who is going to be sharing his wonderful story. So, so just so grateful, so grateful to have you in the space. And uh, more information will come out as the launch and all of that comes closer. So, yeah, thanks for saying yes. <laughs> thanks for so, asking yeah. So everybody have a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in this world. And we'll talk to you soon. So goodbye, everybody. Feeling inspired? There are so many ways to do things for you, to get yourself moving, to get your creative juices flowing, and to have fun. Check out I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing. Go to IamCreativePhilly.com. I am creative philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y dot com. And check out the experiential kits. Check out Creative Shui, which is all about creative inspiration and guidance. And for Express Yourself Publishing, there's so many multi-author book opportunities. So I would love to chat with you so much. Everybody has, everybody's creative. Everybody has a voice, everybody has an expression, and I can't wait to meet you. Thank you so much for taking this hour to listen to our stories and share the energy, and I wish you a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in this world. Bye, everybody.